good launching pad and um, we'll receive an offering at the end of service. Lift your hands. What you have heard and what you will hear will be contested and challenged. For the enemy is afraid of your liberty. The idea of your freedom terrorizes him. For when you are free, truly free, his ability to manipulate and control his influence is lost. But if you will commit yourself and trust me, you'll see that I will do it. That I will deliver you to freedom. For freedom is both my plan and my desire that you would be free. For there's great pleasure in freedom, great joy in freedom. Hallelujah, Father. So let's lift our hands for just a moment. None of this was expected, but I'm grateful. Let's say this together, Father. I commit my way. I choose to believe. I'm a believer, not a doubter. I believe every word that proceeds from your mouth brings life to me so in Jesus name I'm committed at this moment this day to living in agreement with your written word in Jesus name amen hallelujah father hallelujah father I want to continue on this path that we started a couple of weeks ago this is part three been talking about the blessing and um, you know the blessing the blessing is 
The blessing is the kingdom's multivitamin. Meaning that everything you need, it's in there. You need favor, it's in the blessing. You need power, it's in the blessing. You need strength, it's in the blessing. You need wisdom, it's in the blessing. When you're blessed, you have everything the kingdom could ever offer you to live life according to the divine design. And so we really do want to pay t attention. And I, this, I've been studying the blessing. I told you that I feel like I know less about it now than I've ever known in my life. And I used to think I knew it. And I understand what Brother Hagin used to say when he would say that, you know, he knew less at 80 than he knew at 50. Because the bigger God becomes to you and the bigger and the more real his word becomes, it seems like, you know what, I'm just a student. I'm not a master. And... Um, Another thing Brother Hagen used to say, and I want to I release this because there's something special about today. Brother Hagen used to tell us that whatever you preach on, it will manifest. And so I want to tell you that today, this is not just you hearing information, but today is a day of impartation. That if you'll receive the word and let it become engrafted into your very soul, it doesn't matter what stage of life we're at, we'll see God make up for lost time. We will witness God restore lost things. And I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about possessions. I'm talking about time. Nothing broken, nothing missing. God is the God of restoration and he will restore all things that have been taken from you. He doesn't need our help to do it. All he needs is our faith to believe he will. And so today I'm releasing faith filled words. I'm not just up here wasting time. There's enough power in every single verse we share to take you to a new level of life. And to understand and experience the freedom that is ours in Christ. Amen. And I think that going, you know, we, we started in Galatians chapter three. And uh, well, let's just go ahead and turn there. Galatians chapter three. Let's look at verse 14 and 15. And this isn't part of the outline, but I want to read these verses. I knew I should have brought my Bible this morning. Hallelujah. Galatians three. Verses 14 and, well, 13 and 14, 13 and 14. Remember what we say around here, if it's written, our uncertainty is unnecessary. Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter 3, Christ redeemed, Christ redeemed. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus, now you see this, right? He hung on a tree for a purpose. And I shared this with you a couple of weeks ago, and you can always tell if I make a statement that runs contrary to what we've been taught. The totality of redemption is not just about heaven. 
And if we think that all of redemption is about you escaping hell and going to heaven, we miss this thing called life. And then we become a group of people whose only hope is death. We just can't wait to die. And we sing songs about won't we be happy over there, over there. Won't we be happy over there. But we've given up on here. And that's not what redemption is about. Redemption is about the restoration of God's creation plan about everything being the way it was meant to be. It's about you and I flourishing. There's not a Christian on the planet who has been doomed to mediocrity and to suffering and to barely getting by. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? Y'all know this. The, the, the word gospel stands for what? What is the good news to a sick man? What is the good news to a poor man? prosperity breakthrough the, the 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 gospel is the answer and the gospel is not not good enough news it's really defined as too good to be true news right so we need to understand that Christ redeemed us and I said this the first week we so many times of the way it's preached it's Christ redeemed you from hell he saved you from hell and that's true but it's not the truth Meaning it's not all of it. He redeemed you from the curse. He redeemed you from a broken life, a despondent life, a discouraged life. He broke you free from darkness. He redeemed you from and to. In Galatians 14, he hung on the tree in order for the purpose that in Christ Jesus the blessing, everyone say the blessing, the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen? That should remove all doubt that God wants you blessed. He wants you to flourish in life. Now, if we study the history of the people of God, we'll discover that the thing they most yearned for was the blessing of God. Now, they abused it. There's no denying, you know, they're, 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 they're not that much different than we are, right? When you have it, you don't think much about it. And when you lose it, you can't think about nothing else. I'm that way about my car keys. About anything. If you lose it, it takes frontal lobe space. That's all you can think about. And that's the way the people of God were when they had it. They didn't think much about it. Then they would lose it through disobedience and unbelief, and they yearned to get it back again. The reason they yearned for the blessing was this. Listen, they understood, and so did all of their enemies. When the blessing of God was upon the people of God, they were an unstoppable force. There was no city that could withstand them, no wall they couldn't climb. There was no enemy that could conquer them. When the blessing of God was upon them, there was no such thing as barren land because even in a famine they could sow and receive a hundredfold return. When the blessing of God was upon them, everything worked for them because the power of God was flowing to and through them. And let me say this. When the blessing of God is on us, we operate on this planet as if we were operating in God's stead. 
I want you to think about that. Do you, can you imagine God committing himself to a work and saying, well, that was too hard, that didn't work? Everything God does, he succeeds at. And when his blessing is upon us, everything we put our hands to prospers. Everything we put our hands to. The Bible says he'll bless us in all of our ways. So whether we're in the city or we're in the country, whether we're a going or we're a coming, everything works for us when the blessing of God is upon us. And I want to say this, that as for me and my house, I want to be blessed. Because listen, in studying Galatians 3, this dawned on me. It ain't about greed, it's about gratitude. Because if he hung on that tree in order to redeem me from the curse and to the blessing, then I want everything the blessing can bring to me in my life. And it's got nothing to do with greed, it's got everything to do with gratitude. Because if I appreciate a gift that you gave me, I show it to everyone. I brag about it. I'm like, look at what she gave me. He gave me the blessing. So I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to talk about it. In fact, listen, is this okay? I don't even know where I'm going or how I'm going to get there. I do have a sermon. We'll try to get there. But this past week, I went through the, I went through the Bible and I downloaded and printed every verse that has a reference to the blessing. 62 pages, single line. We could preach on this all year. Over nearly 500 times, the Bible talks about God's people being blessed. God wants you blessed. And he wants you to know that you know that you know you're the blessed of the Lord. So you can act like you're blessed. How many of you have ever heard the truth will set you free? Raise your hand. You ever? Do you know that's a lie? That's not what the master said. The master said, you shall know the truth. And the truth you know will set you free. See, listen, truth by itself has no value in your life. This year, this past year, I looked it up on Google, so it's got to be true. Floating in the air in different bank accounts and different places, there's over $40 billion in unclaimed monies and lands. $40 billion is out there unclaimed. The truth is there's somebody somewhere that had a massive inheritance that could have changed their life, and it's unclaimed. Now, we would think it's unclaimed because they don't know about it. And that's true in some of the cases, but not the majority. Y'all listening to me? There, there's somebody somewhere named Bubba that's rich because Uncle Joe left him some money. But Bubba don't know about it, so it ain't blessing him at all. Then there's a lot of other cases where they received notification. They received a letter from the law firm of call me and get you some. <laughs> but when they read it, they didn't believe it. They doubted it. Everything about it seemed far-fetched. Yeah. 
you can almost imagine the conversation in the home when they get the letter and, 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 and it tells them that a long lost relative left him 40 acres, a mule, a house, and a bank account with a million dollars. And when they're reading it, the first thing out of their mouth is, well, I doubt that. Wow. I don't know any... Yeah, you know anyone this has happened to? Nope, I don't know anyone. And look at even the name, call me and get you some. You know that's a scam. I ain't calling nobody. So they doubt it and they do without it. See, if you don't know the truth, it's of no value to you. But also if you doubt it when you hear it. James tells us this, that the man who is unstable in all of his ways, that he believes, sometimes he doesn't believe. He says, let that man not expect to receive anything from God. You and I need to believe the word. And if the Bible says that you're redeemed from the curse, then quit toying with the idea that you're trying to become blessed. You and I need to completely divorce ourselves from the idea that the curse has any influence in our lives. The car you drive is not a curse. The house you live in is not a curse. The land you occupy is not a curse. And I'm going to show you this next week, that if you curse that which God has blessed, well, let's just say that. I don't want to, you're putting yourself in a bad way. What you want to say of your property and of your body and of your marriage is the same thing God would say. You need to call those things blessed. Yes. Because the curse has nothing to do with you. If you're in Christ, you're blessed. Everything you put your hands to is blessed. And what comes out of your mouth is it ought to be, you're blessed. If you got anything to do with me, you're blessed. When you walk in that tiny little door to that tiny little house, you ought to call it a blessed house. Mm, is this okay? We need to become convinced that we're blessed and embrace the truth of the fact that we're blessed so that none of the promises of God and the benefits of serving him go stay out there unclaimed. I don't know about you, but I want it all. Amen. My hope in preaching this is that you and I will stop begging God for what has already been granted. And stop waiting to enjoy tomorrow what is ours today. Amen. Like everything else in the kingdom, the reality of the blessing of God begins within, not without. You following me? Everything that has to do with the kingdom begins in your spirit. It influences your soul, meaning your mind, and then it influences your environment. What so many of us try to do is we wait to believe until we see. So we want the blessing to affect our circumstances. And before the blessing can revitalize your environment, it has to redefine your mind. Yes. Yes. Can I say that again? Yes. Before it can revitalize your environment, it's got to redefine your mind. Let me show you this in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 4. You ready to begin? Listen to this in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 4, and I'm going to read through to verse 11. However, there will be no poor among you, since the Lord will surely bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. 
If only you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I am commanding you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised you. And you will lend many nations, but you will not borrow. Can you imagine living such a lifestyle that you are able to lend, but you have no need to borrow? I mean, for any purchase. Buying houses without mortgages. Well, pastor, that's just flat-footed impossible. Well, not if you read your Bible. Okay, listen. Do we believe or do we not believe? If we believe, then the Bible says that all things are possible to them that believe. My wife and I were watching this, this thing. She, she, was, she put it on YouTube, and it's about these, like, uh, ultra mansions. You know, I'm talking like massive, big, giant homes with 32 swimming pools and all these. And, and they were going through it and talking about it. And the money that you needed to purchase, it was just insane. And the, the, the guy that was the host asked, where do you go to finance something like this? And the person walking them through the house, listen to me when I said this. They said, oh, you don't buy this kind of house if you need financing. Nobody finances houses at this level. At this level, it's all cash. Well, if that's possible for some at that level to do all cash, then why can't you and I do all cash? Where we're able to lend, but we have no need to borrow when we rule, but are not ruled. See, I... And I know, listen, some, I, 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 unfortunately, no one in RLC says anything to me, but I get, I get snide comments online that I'm just another prosperity preacher. And I love it. I love it. Because I know I'm hearing from a small-minded person just like I used to be when I thought the same thing about preachers that talked about living a life free of restrictions. Then I made the mistake of spending years reading the Bible only to find out they knew what I didn't know and I was criticizing what they knew because I didn't know it. But once you get to know it, you understand that God wants you free and that's not just spiritually. He wants you free in every capacity. He wants you physically free to where you live a life and you're not, you're not going broke buying medication. That even in old age, everything works. We read that out of the book of Psalms, that even in old age, we're full of life and we bear much fruit. And the Bible says we're green, not gray. You understand what I'm saying? God's ideal is what we're striving for because the ultimate objective of faith is to make God's truth my reality. And until all of God's truth is my complete reality, I got to keep on growing and learning and adapting to the word of God. If I'm not there yet, then I do what Paul did. I press on. I don't sit down and say, well, I'm satisfied because I got this. I want to keep on pressing on until I can become a blessing to others. Is this okay? See, what God told Abraham was he said, I'll bless you. And I'll make you a blessing. 
So let's keep reading. Where was I? Verse 7. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any of your towns, in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother. But you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. Well, how many of you know you got to be blessed to be able to do that? Verse 9, beware that there is no base thought in your heart. And that means a mean-spirited thought. What would that mean spirited thought be saying the seventh year, the year of remission is near and your eyes hostile towards your poor brother and you give him nothing. And really what this is, it's an Old Testament reference to grace saying in the year of grace, when everyone's debts are removed, you think, well, if I give him this, he's never going to pay me back. So instead of loaning and giving you withhold. I can't tell you how many times can I stray a little bit? One of my commissions from God, and I could take you back in time and to the very place where the Lord told me. And I, when he first told me, I thought it had reference to the church I was pastoring at that time in Poland. He said, I want you to remove fear from your people's giving. That was a commission from God. If I could take you to Warsaw, Poland, I could take you to the very spot I heard his voice. And what floored me was I was a faith preacher. I was preaching faith the way it had been taught me. And so when God said, I want you to remove fear from your people's giving, Cleve, I, said the, I told the Lord, I said, if fear's in there, I don't know how it got there. But see, what I was teaching was 50-50 blessing and curse. Do this, you'll be blessed. Don't do this, you'll be cursed. And it's amazing how many people come out of a religion, even if it's word of faith, they come out of a religious background. And if you have you ever played connect the dots? I have some people that have gotten mad at me because I don't use the word tithe. It's not because I'm anti tithe, but I know people I've been in this game. I know I'm young and handsome, but I've been in this a while. And I know most people, they connect the dots, tithe, curse, tithe, fear. They don't tithe out of love for God. They tithe so the Godfather doesn't show up and put a horse's head in their bed. Come on, we're just being honest. They, they tithe because they're afraid if I don't, God's going to curse me. Because they've heard preachers say such things, Steve, as if you don't give on Sunday, you'll give to the mechanic on Monday. I used to hear that when I first got saved, and I never understood what the mechanic had to do with church. Because my mechanic didn't even go to church. And I didn't know how God was getting the money from him. But that's what I was heard. If you don't tithe, your, your, your cat's going to get the mange, your dog is going to die, and your, 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 your hamster is going to go paralyzed. So what do you do? You give in order to pay off an angry God. And God ain't into that. So when grace comes along, what most people do is if they've been held under that fear and bondage and they say, well, you mean I don't have to give to buy off the curse? No, you don't have to. So they stop giving. And this happens in ministry after ministry after ministry. I've known ministries that have gone bankrupt. And when we were on the mission field and the Lord told me to remove fear from people's giving, I began to teach on love. Because I'm not real sharp, but I do know this, that love casts out fear. So I didn't know how else to get the fear out of people's giving. I began to teach on love, 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 love. And the more I taught on love, the lower our offerings went. 
And finally, I was driving home from one service, and I told the Lord, I said, God, I've been doing what you told me, and we're going broke. At this rate, I can't afford to obey you. And God is my witness. This is what the Lord said. He said, I was able to teach you this lesson because you have nothing to lose. We were on the mission field. He said, I can't teach this to most of my shepherds because if they have any dip in their offering, they go out of business. They go bankrupt. So they, they continue along the line. And is this okay? I do have a message I want to get. But I know a pastor. I, I reconnected with an old-time friend this past week, and he told me about a man that was both instrumental in both of our lives, that this man taught the blessing and the curse, the blessing and the curse, and built a very large church. And then he kind of got hooked up with Joseph Prince. And I was floored to find out that this, he started dressing like Joseph Prince for about three weeks. And then he reversed course because he said, I can't afford to preach grace because nobody's giving anymore. So he went back to threatening everyone with the curse. And this is exactly what this reference is saying, that if, if we, okay, I don't have to do this, so we use grace as an excuse not to. He said that's an evil thought. It's a base thought. Don't hold your hand, withhold simply because you don't have to. Right? Let everything flow out of a heart of love, not religious duty. Is this okay? So let's keep reading because i got to show you something really important in here. I'm telling you, there's a higher level of living. There's a place grace will take you that works never could get you. I'm telling you, if we'll just embrace grace and understand, I obey God through grace more than... This is what I told this preacher this week. I'm wandering all over the place. I hope you all forgive me. It's the Holy Spirit's fault. If you want to blame someone, blame the Holy Ghost. But just this week, I told this pastor when we were talking about grace and he wanted to know how I got from where I was to believing in grace. And I said, I want to know how you got from where you were. And we both came to the same conclusion. It's the path the Holy Spirit led us on. And we both said this. I pray more now than I ever did before, because now I pray from a heart of love there. Back then, I prayed because I felt I had to. Yes, sir. You follow me? And I also told him this. I said, I give more now than I ever gave before. Because then my mindset was, I'm going to give you just enough to keep you at bay. And that's when I would take out my calculator and I would calculate out what was 10%. How many of you ever heard this? The argument, is it net or gross? Well, that just shows you're grossly ignorant. Because if you want to ask, do I tithe on the gross or the net, you're missing the whole point. Because the point is, this is the reason why I don't use the word tithe and I use the word love offering. Because it has to come from your heart. If it comes from your calculator, keep the stuff. Because you clearly want it more than God does. If we would simply live in, from, a, from a position of grace, we would give more than we ever gave. We would pray more than we ever prayed. We would love more than we ever loved because grace makes possible what the law never could make possible. Under the law, we would strive and never attain, but under grace, we live fully as if the work is completed in Christ. Yeah. You're following me. So in Deuteronomy, he's saying here, don't use grace as an excuse not to give. I got to keep going because otherwise I'm never going to get to the point. Verse 10, you shall generously give to him and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. Because of this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. Verse 11, for the poor will never cease to be in the land. 
Therefore I command you, saying, You shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your, to your needy, and poor in your land. Now, I don't know if you notice this, but in this, these few verses, there's three contradictory, irreconcilable statements that all have to be true because this is Bible. If this was any other book, I would say the author was smoking weed when he wrote it because he's confused and he's high. But this is Holy Ghost, so the three irreconcilable statements are this. Did you get them? Verse 4, there will be no poor among you. That's got to be the truth. It's in the Bible. But then in verse 7, it says, if there is a poor man. Well, if there's no poor among you, how can you then turn around and say, if there is a poor man? And then in verse 11, for the poor will never cease to be. Well, which is it, Lord? Is there going to be no poor or are the poor never going to cease? How can all three of these statements that contradict each other be true? Well, I want to show you because understanding how these three seemingly contradictory statements can all be true at the same time will revolutionize your life. Let me have Shelly, Sandy, and Daisy. You're going to be my guinea pigs. Okay. Well, let's start with you since you're the closest. Sandy here, I want you to engage your imagination. Sandy here was born into a very affluent family, very godly family, taught about money at an early age. She's never really had, you could call her a trust fund baby. She's never really had any obstacles to overcome. And she loves the Lord with all of her heart, her soul, and her mind. And she believes she's blessed. Right? So that wall represents the poor place. That wall represents the wealthy place. That's where God's trying to get each and every one of his children. That's the path we're on. And on this path, you're right about here. Then we have Shelly. Now, Shelly was born one line above broke. She had a lot of obstacles to overcome because, like most of us, her parents never taught her anything about money. Her first credit card she got, she thought the purpose was to max it out, and so she did. And so she didn't understand money. She had to learn about it, and she didn't come to Christ until late 20s, right? But she did hear about how God wants her blessed, so she began to change her ways, and she began to make great progress, and God began to increase her. And she, she, her very nature is she's a risk taker. She's an entrepreneurial mind, has an entrepreneurial mindset. So she just like catapults right past this person who's just relying on a trust fund. And she's like up here. And this is the economic ladder. Stay with me. And then you got Daisy. Poor Daisy. Daisy was born in them there hills. The only thing she knew how to do was make moonshine. And she didn't come to Christ till late in life. And she, she's kind of, you know, like a lot of poor people, they're kind of, ad, they have an adversity to risk taking because you got to hold on to what you get. So she kind of had that mindset, but it sunk in. She heard it enough at this place called Real Life Church that she was blessed, that she began to change the way she thinks. Now, she's not up as far as they are, but she's not flat broke anymore, Right? So 
you have traveler number one, traveler number two, and traveler number three. They're all different. They have different places where they began. This is life, right? We're not all born at the same level. Some people are born into an affluent family. Some people are born broke. Some people are, they're, they're trained to think poor. We have a lot of things we have to overcome, some of us more than others. But eventually, somewhere along the line, God's voice is going to get through, and he's going to say to you, you're the blessed of the Lord. You're the, he might have to say it a million times, but eventually it's going to affect your mindset because it begins in the soul, it, it, it influences your soul or spirit, then it comes to your soul, then it changes your circumstances. Is this okay? Am I boring you? Are you getting this? So now, they all got different things, but they have one thing in common. If I were to go to Daisy and I would say, Daisy, are you poor? Why? Because I'm the blessed of the Lord. Right? The blessing of God has redefined her life. Is she where Shelly is? No. But she ain't where she used to be either. But it doesn't matter where she is in the economic ladder. If you were to ask her, are you poor? She would say, no, I'm blessed. That's how she defines herself. If you were to come to Sandy, say, Sandy, you ain't nearly as rich as Shelly. Shelly's driving a Corvette. You're just in a Chevette. But are you poor? No, I'm blessed. She defines herself as blessed. Yeah. Do you see this? Now, if I were to come to Shelly and I'd say, Shelly, are you poor? No. What are you? I'm the blessed of the Lord. She's the blessed of the Lord. In the mindset, because remember I told you, the blessing has more to do with your outlook than how you look. Yeah. So the, what, in this way, the 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 redefining of the people of God as the blessed of the Lord has eradicated poverty because poverty is not in the mindset of any one of the children of God. So if we looked at this picture as a whole, we would say because of the blessing of the Lord, there's no poor among you. Why? Because nobody thinks poor. They don't believe that they're doomed to mediocrity. They, it doesn't matter where I come from. It doesn't matter what this looks like. It doesn't matter what I've been through. I'm the blessed of the Lord. I'm not looking for an excuse to stay down and out. I am blessed. The blessing of God changes the outcome of my story. So I don't care if I was born in the hills and, I, and the moonshine was in my baby bottle. The blessing of the Lord has taken me to a wealthy place. And so whatever economic rung I'm on, if you ask me, am I poor? My answer is no. But you're not living in a gated community. Not yet. And maybe never because I'm not a big fan of HOAs. I want to be able to park my truck wherever I want to put my truck. Just saying. But I'm not poor if I'm blessed. Okay? But now, because of, the Bible says if there is any poor, so from where Sandy stands, she looks back and she sees that Daisy could use some help. If you ask Daisy, are you poor? She'd say no. But from where Sandy stands, Daisy could use some help. So Daisy or Sandy reaches back and helps Sandy or Daisy get along. So in this, listen, now... We see that verse 7 is true if there are any poor among you because there's always going to be somebody who's coming up behind you. 
And the Bible says, don't withhold from what's in your hand, but be willing to reach back and pull them up to where you are. Don't let there be a base thought in your mind that I got where I got by myself, so I ain't going to help no one else. No, no, no. You open up and you generously give to them. So now they're connected through the blessing. Now, from where she stands at the top of the food chain, she looks back and everyone's poor compared to her. So what does she do? She recognizes I am where I am because of the blessing of the Lord on my life. So she reaches back and she grabs Sandy. Now, here's what I want to show you. The blessing of God operating among the people of God is the first social network. Because that's what connects the rich to the poorest of the poor. Because each and every one is giving to the others. This is how the blessing works. The blessing connects us to where your burdens are my burdens and my burdens are your burdens. And it doesn't matter where we are. We're all helping each other come up. Yeah. Right? And, and I, know, I know how your lightning quick minds are. You're thinking, well, what about her? She's at the top of the food chain. Oh, no, she ain't. There's one that's richer than her. And he says, if you lend to the, if you give to the poor, you're lending to the Lord. Yeah. And the Lord will repay. Yes. So there's always one at the top who's saying, if you'll do it the way, then I will repay you. If no one else can pay you back, I will repay you. Because you're all connected in this chain of the blessing. Now, you know what happens if someone gets offended and they break the chain? They're outside of the connection. Now they're operating. They could even still be the blessed of the Lord, but they're operating in the land of the cursed. Because they got offended and they separated themselves from the people of God. This is where the Bible talks about repent, return, and go back. And God reconnects you. Are, are y'all following me? Are y'all seeing this? That the blessing of God among the people of God is not just, I said this to you a couple weeks ago, it's not just about you flourishing, but it's us flourishing as a community. It's where you bear fruit and your fruit is to nourish me and I bear fruit and my fruit is to nourish you. If we have the idea that we are blessed as a people and as a community, then the whole community rises together. Is this okay? Give them a hand. So I got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. The blessing of the God redefines you. And when you know that you're blessed, hear me when I say this. You engage life with an expectation of victory and increase. I want to say that again because see so many people, they engage life with an expectation of failure. They engage life with an expectation of defeat. This is the reason why I say the blessing of God, the idea that you're the blessed of the Lord has to redefine you. And you have to know the truth. You can't waver with this. Because if the enemy can talk you out of it, he will, because he does not want you to live a blessed life. He does not want. Listen, I got to tell you, that he ain't all that afraid of you going to heaven. There are some of you he wishes you would hurry up. 
He's not afraid of you going to heaven. What he is deathly afraid of is you living the life according to God's divine design and you become a blessing to everyone around right. you. That everyone you encounter, they're enriched by you. Yes. They're enriched by the words that come out of your mouth. They're enriched by the stuff that flows out of your pocketbook. They're enriched by everything about you because you are a blessing and you bless others. That's what he doesn't want. He does not want the church rising up as a community of the blessed of the Lord because when we're the blessed of the Lord, then we can change the environment of our world. So he's going to fight this because he wants you to waver with the idea that you're cursed if you don't and you're cursed if you do and you're blessed if you do this. He wants you up and down and back and forth. What he doesn't want is you to wake up every morning, look at the mirror and say, I'm the blessed of the Lord. It doesn't matter what comes my way today. I'm the blessed of the Lord. It doesn't matter where God sends me today. I'm the blessed of the Lord. It doesn't matter if I encounter a lion today. I'm the blessed of the Lord. It doesn't matter if I encounter a bear today. I'm the blessed of the Lord. It doesn't matter if I go toe-to-toe with Goliath. I'm the blessed of the Lord. There's no weapon formed against me that can prosper because I'm the blessed of the Lord. When the doctor tells me I've got a terminal disease, my reply is, no, Jack, I'm the blessed of the Lord. When when they notify me that my company's going out of business and I'm going to be flat broke, I don't say, oh, my. I say, I am the blessed of the Lord. That's my mindset, the way I define myself. I don't, I don't define myself by where I come from. I define myself by who I belong to. I'm a child of God, therefore I am the blessed of the Lord. And the blessing of God means the power of God is working in Jimmy's favor. God's not against me. God's for me. God's not angry with me. In fact, can I, can, I, can I let you in on a little secret? God's really kind of fond of me. And you know what? He's exceptionally fond of you. He loves you. He does not delight in your misery. The Bible nowhere says he delights in the misery of his people. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. Amen? Okay, let's keep reading. Is this helping you? Listen to this. David said this in Psalm 27, verse 13. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Without belief that we actually, listen to this, without the belief that we will actually see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, life is hopeless. Life is hard, man, especially if you're trying to do it on your own. It's complex, but if you got the blessing of God on your life, operational, moving on your behalf, then there is no complexity. There is, there's, there's no deal you enter into, you don't come out a winner. Because within the blessing is the wisdom of knowing what to do, when to do it, and who to do it with. Right? You're the blessed of the Lord. So when you're about to do something that would could turn out to your demise, something on the inside says, nah, you look right and you talk right, but you ain't right. I ain't doing business with you. But when the blessing of the Lord is operation in your life, you can walk in and say, yeah, yeah, I know this will work out. I, I, is this okay this morning? I told you the story of one of Brother Hagin's friends who was an investor through the Great Depression in the 20s. 
uneducated according to the world standards. And he, made, he was an investor for a living and he never lost a penny. Never lost a penny. When those who had MBAs and they were the, the elite of investors, what do they call it, competent investors? Or, you know, when you're the high-end one. I don't know because I'm known to the low-end. But they're at the high end of the investment thing. They were jumping out of windows and killing themselves because they lost everything. This uneducated man from Oklahoma was making a killing in the, invest, in the, in the investment world, not losing a penny. Because he told Brother Hagin, he said, I always prayed and trusted the blessing. And when he said, sometimes things looked right and they weren't right and I didn't invest in them. And other times it looked like a surefire failure, but the Holy Spirit would say, do that. And he would do it and make money. Well, pastor, it ain't all about money. No, but money helps, Jack. My wife and I used to be missionaries, and we would fly across the ocean many times a year. And you know, all of those flights we took, they never once let me on a plane because of my striking good looks. Nor did they ever let me on the plane because of my mission. I couldn't tell them, I'm working for God. Would you let me on the plane for free? They'd laugh. They'd say, no, this is how much the ticket costs. We don't really care what you're going there for. You're going to pay. Mm, all right. So David said, I would have despaired. I'd have given up. I'd have grown discouraged. But I had a belief of this one thing. That I'm not always going to see misery. I'm not always going to be looking at the backside of a cave hiding out. There is going to come a day when God's going to deliver me from this place and he's going to put me in the place of my dreams. Oh, y'all ain't even listening to me. See, if we commit our way unto the Lord and we trust him, he said, I'll do it. I'll bring it to pass. Believe me in the good times, you're blessed. Believe me in the bad times, you're blessed. Believe me when you're facing opportunity that you're blessed. And believe me when you're facing an obstacle that you're blessed. Day and night, believe you're blessed. Let it redefine you. You're the blessed of the Lord. God's favor is upon you. Believe it at all times, everywhere you go. And God said, if you commit your ways unto me, you trust me, I will do it. He will not disappoint us. He will not make our hope deferred. Psalm 91 verse 16 says this, with a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. That word salvation there means deliverance, welfare, prosperity, salvation, and victory. And in the Hebrew, you might, this might sound familiar to you. It's the word Yeshua. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my Yeshua. Does that sound familiar to you? It's the Hebrew word for Jesus, meaning to rescue, to save, to deliver. See, Yeshua is my blessing, and my blessing is Yeshua. And as long as I've got Yeshua, I will see good times. Everything I see is subject to change because I'm the blessed of the Lord. Desires fulfilled, dreams made manifest, goals achieved. Mm. Go to Matthew chapter 5. I want to read to you verses 3 through 11. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is another one of those verses they always quote out of context. 
They'll say, blessed are the poor. That's not what Jesus said. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. If, if, if poverty was a blessing, then the poorest nations on the earth would be the most blessed places on the earth. You following me? But the poorest places on the planet have certain things in common. One, they all practice ancestral worship. Every one of the top five or the bottom five of the poorest nations on the planet worship animals and ancestors. And every one of them are disease-ridden as well as poverty-ridden. Disease and poverty usually flow hand in hand. Are y'all following me? Poverty is not a blessing. You know another thing. Can, is it, can I? You know another thing. All five of the the bottom five have in common. They have short lifespans. With a long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. A shortened life due to ignorance, due to poverty, and due to disease is not a blessing from God. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, meaning those who know they have need of Yeshua. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the, gent- are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, here's I want to make this real quick because I know I'm running out of attention. The Old Testament ended with a curse. Jesus began his ministry with a blessing. If you look at the very last word or the very last chapter or the very last book, it's the word curse. Jesus comes along and pronounces a blessing. Acts chapter 3 verse 26 says this, speaking of Jesus coming to the, the Jews, For you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you. Are y'all following me? By turning every one of you from your wicked ways. He came not only to purchase a blessing for us, but to pronounce and pour out blessings upon us. I want to say this again. Purchase, pronounce, and pour out. And he does it as if one having authority. As one that can command the blessing and provide life. Can you imagine the relief that these people felt? All their lives they'd been taught they were not good enough. All their lives they'd been reminded that they were third rate. That God himself was angry at them for their failures to keep the law. They weren't good enough. They were unacceptable. Then Jesus comes along and declares the blessing. He, his pronoun- Listen to this. His pronouncing them happy makes them so. For those whom he blesses are blessed. They had failed at keeping the law as the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes reminded them every single day. And here comes grace and says, blessed are you. 
Can you imagine the relief? Listen, I, I am bringing this to a close. But can you imagine the relief of when all your life you're told you're not good enough? God's angry at you. You don't pray enough. You don't tithe enough. You don't dress right. You don't act right. When you got that two tattoo, you're hell bound. <laughs> and then comes along grace. And grace says, blessed are you. Independent of your outside circumstances and independent of your failures. You're blessed. Let me read these same verses out of the Amplified. Is this okay? Can you all give me? Blessed, happy, to be envied, and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation. Regardless of their outward conditions are the poor in spirit, the humble who rate themselves insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed and enviably, enviably happy with a happiness produced by the experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of His matchless grace, are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed, happy, blithesome, joyous, spiritually prosperous, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the meek, the mild, patient, long-suffering, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed, and fortunate and happy and spiritually prosperous in that state in which the born-again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with God, for they shall be completely satisfied. Are you getting what yes. Jesus is saying yes. here? Your whole life you've been taught that serving God was a task, hard to do. This is the whole message of Malachi. They said, why should we keep doing this? We're giving you offerings and the wicked prosper and we don't. And God said, you're speaking harsh words against me. See, I'm not a hard taskmaster. I'm a life giver. And he comes along, the Messiah, the Yeshua of life, and he says to all of those who are downtrodden, cast aside and unacceptable, he pulls in the prostitute and he brings in the tax collector. And to all of them, he shows a love and he says, listen, I want to bless you. I want to make your life enviable. To where those who are without the covenant, they look at you and what they see makes them say, I want, the, I want your God. I don't want to serve this God no more. I want to serve your God. Because when you're sick, your God heals you. When you're broke, your God prospers you. Every, every tree in my yard dies and yours always grows. I want your God. Verse 11, blessed, happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salva salvation, regardless of your outward conditions. Are you when people revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account? Regardless of their outward condition. They were blessed. If you are in Christ, you are blessed. You are not struggling to be blessed. You're not waiting to be blessed. You're not hoping to be blessed. You are the blessed of the Lord, highly favored and well thought of. If Jesus were to stand here this morning in physical form and say to you eye to eye, blessed are you. Would you believe it? I mean, if he were standing here, you could see him with your eyes. 
touch him with your hands and he were to say to you you right now are blessed would you believe it then why won't you believe it just because his word says it see we don't want to be like thomas and say well if i could just reach out and if i could touch him then i'd believe it but i got to put my finger in those holes and the bible says blessed are those who do not see and yet believe so the him standing here in my stead and saying you're blessed would have no more authority than me saying it based on his word so if jesus were here and he were to say to you you're blessed would you go blab it you know you would. Yes, sir. You would run out of this place and tell everyone everywhere, Jesus, the Messiah, blessed me today. Yes. And when they tried to talk you out of it, you'd say, no, you don't understand. Jesus, the Messiah, blessed me today. And they would look at your car and say, you don't look blessed. And you'd say, no, 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 you aren't listening jesus the messiah blessed me he stood in front of me eye to eye and said you're the blessed of the lord you would run here and there and you would tell everyone you know i'm the blessed of the lord so my challenge to you is this why aren't you doing it now Why aren't you telling everyone everywhere, I'm the blessed of the Lord? Why aren't you telling yourself when you wake up in the mirror and instead of dreading the day, you can't wait to meet the day because this is the day that the Lord has given and I'm going to rejoice because he's going to give me lots of reasons to rejoice in it and I'm going to be glad. Why? Because I'm the blessed of the Lord. When I put my hands on this, it prospers. And when I go over there, the light gets turned on. I'm not an ordinary person. Ordinary people get depressed. I don't get depressed. Ordinary people get discouraged. I don't get discouraged. Why? Because I know and I can't be talked out of it. I'm the blessed of the Lord. And it changes my outlook. So now when I wake up in the morning, I expect to win. I expect it. I look out the door to see what's on my porch and I didn't even order nothing from Amazon. And you think I'm joking, but I got neighbors that leave things on my doorstep. Am I right or am I wrong? When I, when I okay, Deborah said tell them, so I'm going to tell them and then I'll let you all go. When I came home from Poland, I had one tool. I like tools. I may not know how to use them all, but I like them. I had one tool. I had a drill. That's all I had. And I said, God, I sure would like some tools. I had to build a building to put my tools in. I did. I had to build a brand new building on my property to put my tools in because I get so many tools. I got neighbors that will call me and say, did you see all those boxes on your porch? That's brand new battery craftsman. And I was like, I don't doubt it for a minute. Thank you very much. I had to start giving them away. Because you can only have so many circular saws. You can only have so many. Yeah, Deborah. She, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I know. She likes to point out that I got about five of everything now. 
Can you all say good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over? But you know what? It's good for that to be in tools, but I want it to be in cars, and I want it to be in houses. Why? So when I encounter someone who has no car, I can give them one. When I encounter a grandma raising her grandbabies and she's having to live in an apartment, can you imagine how wonderful it'll be to say, you know what, I have a house. Here's the keys. How much do I owe you? Nothing. Stand to your feet. Is this okay? Desire is wonderful, and we should all have the desire to do good. Having the resources to fulfill those desires is absolutely amazing.